I'm not going to listen. I don't even recognize it, right? Because all of this is going down subconsciously. But in my mind, I'm going, yeah, I don't, I don't know about her. I, something about her. I, I don't know. We don't know, but we walk away and there went a relationship or a sale or a client or whatever it is because of one sound. This is the perfect episode to end this season with. Tracy Goodwin calls herself a voice coach, but that title doesn't even really begin to describe the invaluable work that she does. The voice tendencies we do that hold us back in conversations, relationships, and life are, quite frankly, mind-blowing. I've never heard someone discuss this topic like Tracy, and I know you will find yourself analyzing how you have conversations from this day forward. Before we jump in, have you been struggling with getting your social media created for the month? Or are you just not even to that point yet and are still posting on the fly? I totally get it because I was there too. But I started practicing what I preach and I'm now planning out my content one month in advance. I cannot believe I waited this long to do this because I've now gotten my system down to only taking me 30 minutes to plan one full month of highly converting social media posts. Yep, and you can too. Visit socialwithally.com to download my plan for you. That's socialwithally.com. You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here is your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Allie Hembree-Martin. Tracy, I am honored to have you on the show today. I'm so excited for us to jump into this conversation. Thank you so so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation as well. So kick us off and tell us about yourself. I am a voice coach. And of course, everybody that knows my work says, that's not really what you are. <laughs> so the real mystery is, what, what is it that you call me? But all the work that I do is centered around the voice. And what people don't realize is how powerful their voice is. I was actually raised in a family. I won't go all the way back, but I was actually raised in a family in a generation with a concept of children are to be seen and not heard. So to be a voice coach today and to know that that's my gift is really still ironic to me. I, over the years, I've been doing this for over 30 years. I started speaking professionally and being an actor at the age of 12. And that morphed into me being an actor and me being a director. And all this time, people are finding me to coach their voices. And I ultimately, at a very young age, in my early 20s, started coaching voices. And I was fascinated with voices. And through that process, I've developed a very unique methodology called psychology of the voice. And so for years now, I have had the opportunity to work with people all over the world on maximizing their voice, really getting to the core of their identity and revealing it in their voice so that they can make a bigger impact with their message 
and increase their success in their business and their relationships. So full transparency, I had the opportunity to record with Tracy uh, earlier this week to be on her podcast. And we really started to kind of dive into this topic. And I told her, I said, we have to stop talking because my mind is spinning a mile a minute as far as the questions that I have for her and just the, the whole idea of this topic, because I've never discussed it with anyone else. And I'm so fascinated by it. So I just want to go on and jump right in. Really set the stage for us. How is our voice being processed by the subconscious of the listener? And why should we care about that? Why should, why does that matter to us? This is the most fascinating part of the work for me. And this is really where I've done the most research. I'm a big researcher. And I started the early years of my career. I was actually a dialect specialist. And what I discovered in that dialect work, because I'm obviously from Texas, and I was curious, why do I sound like a Texan and an Irish person sounds Irish? Why don't we all sound the same? And what I discovered was the subconscious actually creates that dialect. Why? Sense of belonging. So in that work, I discovered that the subconscious actually puts our voice in place. From dialects, I wanted to look at, okay, is there more to this story? And what I figured out in my research and with the people that I was working with, because while I worked with actors, I I really worked with a lot of business people as well. And what I discovered was that all of them had what I now call a voice story. And that voice story was keeping their voice in place, was creating the voice that they speak with. So let's say I could take my own, my own life. I was raised in this family where children are to be seen and not heard. Stop talking may have been something that was said to me. My subconscious says, because now the subconscious is trying to protect the heart. The voice is the orchestra of the heart. The subconscious says, well, we've got to keep her safe. Let's make her speak very quietly. Mm. And so I start speaking very quietly and it can be anything. It can be, I could go on and on about all the things that the subconscious puts into our voice and teeny tiny sounds are created and those sounds are processed in the subconscious of the listener. That was the second piece of the research. When I discovered the way that I could hear sounds, the way I could hear them, I realized every single sound is being processed in the subconscious of the listener. And based on what our voice stories are and what is in our voice, what was put in our voice, these microscopic sounds could be costing us. They're costing us sales, relationships, because the subconscious of the listener is 100% processing sounds before words. Okay. Okay. This is like starting to, I'm starting to go down that path. I was going down when we talked again, where I'm just like, okay. And so then that means this and this. So (laughs) I want you to, to really kind of take us to the place of when you've worked with a, a lot of big name entrepreneurs and 
I want to know what are the biggest mistakes that you're seeing them make when they come to you, when it comes to their, them using their voice. So when they, when they come to you and they start working with you, what are those most common mistakes that they're making? There are several big ones and everybody's different. Everybody has different voice stories. Everybody has different voice habits, but generally there are through lines. And so some of the things that I see all the time, first and foremost, and this may this this is going to go against the grain of what the world teaches us. First and foremost, people are worried about getting the words right. I have to get these words right and I've got to get these words perfect. And if I say the perfect words and get the words right, I'll get the outcome I want. Mm. Now, what becomes problematic here, when you go up into your head to retrieve the right words, and here's an example of that sound and how it's being processed. If I'm trying to get the words perfect or I'm trying to get the words right, or I'm trying to think about what you're thinking about, what I'm saying, I'm going to go up in my head. The second I go up in my head, thinking that if I get those words right, you will do whatever I want you to do, my voice falls flat and now you have no information from me. Mm -hmm. And usually there's a hesitation. So I start hesitating because I'm thinking about words. Well, your subconscious doesn't know I'm thinking about words. Your subconscious says, does she really know what she's talking about? I don't know. Maybe you ought to talk to somebody else that knows what they're talking about. And just like that, you've lost a sale or you've lost a promotion or you've lost something because in the subconscious of the listener, they process that hesitation as a questioning. Another example, and this is a classic one, if I start turning everything into a question because I've created a (laughs) habit about a lift Mm -hmm. and I don't even know I'm doing it, now all of a sudden your subconscious is processing that I'm asking your permission. Now, can you imagine if I'm supposed to be the expert, if I'm supposed to be the best choice for you or your business and I'm asking your permission? The subconscious is going to go, I don't know. I mean, maybe you ought to talk to a few other people before you commit to this person. Mm -hmm. And just like that, because of a single sound in my voice, I've lost that opportunity. And I could, you know, I could talk about foreshadowing. This is another big one. And this is classic. I am focused on what I don't want. Let's talk about sales. Let's say I've had three people not buy from me in a row. And you come in and you want to buy something from me, or I have a call with you and you're interested in working with me. If I bring in my fear that you're not going to buy because the last three people didn't buy, it will be in my voice. Your subconscious will pick that up and you will give me what I do not want, which is you won't buy. So when we when I work with people who do a lot of cold calling or even selling, one of the first things that I have to do is I have to get them out of the past and get them out of the future. You've got to work from the place of now. And people will say, okay, what does that have anything to do with voice? It has everything to do with voice because only in the now 
can you talk to me and not at me? Only in the now are you grounded in your message, which is in your heart, and your voice can come to life. So a big game changer for my people is get in the now. Stop thinking about the past. Stop thinking about what may happen in the future. Get in the now and turn everything into a conversation. This is so good, Tracy. Okay, so we know psychology plays a large role in all of this. So talk to us about how psychology and our own voice story work together, and that can really limit us in as far as our revenue, our connections, our success. Like, how do those play into what those results are that we receive? And again, everybody's got a different story. I have taken these stories and I have created, based on sounds from those stories, something that I call voice masks. And I want to talk about that. But let's say I have a voice story. Let's say, and and Allie, before we're five years old, one phrase creates our voice story, our driver. Now, imagine a lifetime of bosses and relationships and professors and neighbors. And I always reference Joe the doorman from my years living in New York City. Mm-hmm. We've got this pile up of statements that say, hey, stop talking, or hey, you're too loud. Stop being so loud, all right? Or you don't know what you're even talking about. The subconscious takes that in and turns it into a locked jaw. So Mm -hmm. now I start talking to you like this, and I don't have my jaw, I'm not, my jaw is no longer free. Your subconscious says, what's she holding back on me about? I can't trust her. And so different stories create different drivers. What I really want people to understand is I can give you every kind of speak louder, speak louder, raise your volume. I can do that all day long. But if that driver in your head is saying they really don't want to hear what you have to say, it is never going to work. Mm. Because we have to look at that driver that says, well, you've got to prove you know what you're talking about. And we have to look at the mask and the sound that was left behind for sure. And we have to move it out because that's a big one in business. And I want to touch on that, but I want to back up and say, we have to question that driver and say, is that really true? that you have to prove you know what you're talking about. And I'll never forget the day that a man came. He he contacted me and he said, I want to talk to you. I think I'm repelling potential customers. And I said, well, you are. And he said, how do you know that? And I said to him, what are you trying to prove? And he said, how do you hear that? How do you know that? And I said, it is a microscopic sound and it repels me. Needing to prove is a mask that comes from a driver that repels me. And he looked at me and he said, I've spent my entire life trying to prove my worth to my father. Mm. And I said, well, that's your driver. You think you have to prove to every potential customer that you know what you're talking about, that you are worthy of their purchase, and you don't. And so we rewrote that driver. We moved that story out, 
and no longer was he repelling customers. And it is microscopic. I have a client that said to me one time, you work in sounds the size of a grain of sand, but so does the subconscious. Just like that, asking for permission, needing to prove. Uh, A lot of people have the voice story. Well, imposter syndrome is a voice story. Or I don't want to. I don't want to bother them. I, I don't want to bother you. Or when it comes to selling, all of a sudden they get in the outcome, and and it's almost like they are saying words about buy from me. This product is going to change your life, but vocally their voice is saying this isn't worth anything, and neither am I. Mm. And and we don't even realize it, you know. And it and these are successful highly functioning people. This is the next level and layer. This is the next level and layer of success. It's, it, it's stunning to me how something so significant can take someone who's very successful, so something so tiny, and shift everything for them. You know, here's another example. We all have voice aversions. I believe that there are five elements of vocal variety. Let's say that my voice aversion, which it is, is loud. And if you stay on that note because you've got a driver that says you've got to prove to them you know what you're talking about and you stay loud at me, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm not, I'm not going to listen. I don't even recognize it, right? Because all of this is going down subconsciously. But in my mind, I'm going, yeah, I don't, I don't know about her. I, something about her. I, I don't know. We don't know, but we walk away and there went a relationship or a sale or a client or whatever it is because of one sound. This is, it just blows my mind and I I could see where more and more people need to know about this. And you mentioned something that I want you to address. You mentioned the the idea of voice masks. What are those and, and how can we overcome them if we need to? Voice masks are truly fascinating to me. And the reason I, I, I could hear these sounds, like the man that had the, the needing to prove, people-pleasing is a huge one. I would say eight out of 10 people are people-pleasers, certainly that I see come across my path. It's a sound, and this is all about connection, right? I feel very connected to you. Ideally, hopefully you feel very connected to me. But what happens when I have a mask is it is a sound that is coming from a driver and all of a sudden it feels like there's bulletproof glass between us. You can see me, you can hear me, but you no longer feel connected to me. So you can, you can hear me talking to you, but let's say I start leaning into my people pleaser mask, which is I don't know what you want me to be, so I'll just be neutral, and I won't be larger than life like I usually am. That's who I really am, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I I don't know what your listeners want me to be. So do you see how I become totally neutral? Mm -hmm. I become a pleaser, and did you feel that disconnect as soon as I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Words can be a mask. I've got a lot of words for you, Allie. I've got a whole lot of words. I'm going to say them. I'm going to say them a different way. I'm going to give you more words. I've got a lot of words because words are going to convince you that I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. There is convincing. There is justification. There is buffering. 
Buffering can be a mask. Buffering is where everything is sort of kind of like, you know, maybe a little bit. What do you think? You know, (laughs) right. And that creates a disconnect. It's not just filler. It's bigger. There's a driver behind it that says they're never going to believe you because you don't have a college education or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. whatever that noise is that is running in the person's head. So I call them masks because they're like a garage door that comes down. It's as if I picked it up and hid behind it so you really couldn't see me. You, 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 I kept myself safe because you couldn't get in. I'm using my words. I'm using my voice. But you are not going to find out who I am. I'm keeping you out. So it feels like bulletproof glass, but it's basically a disconnect. And really without, you know, everybody's got different masks. There are common ones, which uh, I would say the biggest two are needing to prove and people pleasing. The, The best thing for me to tell your listeners to avoid masks is turn everything into a conversation. It goes back to, I'm right here with you. I'm talking to you. The fear of what you think of me, the fear of the judgment, the fear of the no, all that noise is in the past and the future. And I don't have to prove anything. I think in many, many ways, we really have to, we really have to look at worth and really get okay with things like it's okay for me to be successful People that have imposter syndrome might pick up a mask, but we really have to work from the outcome we want. My outcome is that everything is always working out and everything is a conversation. I have no idea where you're going next, but I'm not going to put up a mask. I'm going to know that everything is always working out and I'm going to be right here with you in this conversation. That is a tangible that people can work with even without me hearing their mask. But for, for let me give an example for people pleasers because there are so many peacekeeper, people pleaser. You are costing yourself so much by neutralizing who you really are because you don't know what I want you to be. Here's the thing. We cannot control the outcome. And this is a big game changer. You do not know what I'm thinking Don't decide it. Don't Mm. decide what I want you to be. Show me who you are. And so Mm -hmm. it's a big permission slip for people to show up and be themselves. You know, we talk about, we throw that word authentic around almost to the point of it, it gets completely watered down. But what I'm really after is giving people the freedom to show up as themselves. This is who I am. You come to my house for Thanksgiving dinner, I'm going to be just like this. You're in one of my classes, I'm just like this. This is who I am. And people need that permission slip to stop trying to be what they think people want them to be because you don't know what they want you to be. Until you ask them, you have to ask them, and then they could lie. So you need to show up as who you are, and the masks protect you from who you are. Set them down. And I think about the the whole idea that if we aren't true to ourselves, if we aren't authentic and we pretend to be somebody else and they don't like that 
and imagine what we could have achieved if we were just ourselves. And so I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's really that permission for freedom and that opportunity to really show who you are and not put on this business persona that waters down your true colors. I love that. And I have to say something about that because that's huge. Go right ahead. Yeah. What you just said is huge. And here's another reframe that your listeners really need to take to heart. There's a mask of professional. I've got to be professional. I'm a professional, Allie. Mm -hmm. Somebody Mm -hmm. passed around a memo, I don't know when, that said, you've got to be professional. And the subconscious globbed onto that and started making people believe that the opposite, what's the opposite of professional? Well, oftentimes, and I will say this to people, in your mind's eye, do you think you're going to start doing cartwheels in the conference room? I mean, what is it that you think (laughs) because you are working in this microscopic space of professional, you are a professional. One of the things that becomes critical is we, we stop working from the place of words and masks and we start working from the place of what do I want Allie to feel? And feel mm. doesn't go with professional in most people's mind's eye. Well, no, I've got to be professional and I've got to get these words right and I've got to say the right things and I can't let it. No, I want to know who you are and how you feel so I can line up who I am and how I feel and go, yep, that's the girl that can help me right there. She's the one. That's the one Mm -hmm. I have to work with. But if you're being professional, I don't know who you are. (laughs) I don't know you're my person. Oh, I can really, I'm really starting to see how that can be an immediate make or break for sales. And so I'm really glad you framed it that way and and really allowed us to see a mistake that I'm sure many of us are making and we don't even know it. And we didn't know it before we heard this conversation. And something else that you've mentioned, and it was in our previous conversation, that I want you to tell me more about. And it's this idea that we don't really show up and show the world who we are, even if we think we do. And I think that's like, I'm just like, wait, how? How are we not really showing the world who we are, even if we think we are? Tell me, tell me more about that. Sure. So this is where I talk a lot about bits of you. And bits of you and the five elements of vocal variety is where this really comes into play. So I think I'm showing up, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the words, I'm telling you about my product, but there's a part of me that is still a little tentative. And I'm showing up and I'm delivering content and I'm giving you part of who I am. And I think I'm really showing up, but there's always another level. And the way I get at those levels is through the five elements of vocal variety and what I call bits of you. And I could give you countless examples of people I worked with and they, they'll, maybe they'll have great vocal energy and they'll have some vocal variety, but they can tend to be a little on. Yes, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Oh, definitely, right? I'm on. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a front. So what we have to do is we have to really start 
looking at, well, what do you feel about that, Allie? Well, I'm frustrated with it. Okay, you say it that way. Because if I'm frustrated too, let's say you say something like, oh, I know it can be really difficult. No, no, no. Let me, let me go with a different example. I'm very excited to work with you. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Now, <laughs> you've said, I'm very excited to work with you. But you've not said, I'm really excited to work with you. Mm-hmm. Now I know you're excited. But we're afraid mm-hmm. to go to that bigger level. And, and, you know, I'm never, I say this to all my people, I'm not trying to turn you into me. I think that's a huge mistake when we go, no, 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 say it like this. No, 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 we have to find the best version of you. But what the subconscious does is it tricks us. And so you say, I'm very excited to work with you. And your subconscious goes, "Mm, excellent. And I don't even notice you said it. And then you go, I'm really excited to work with you. And your subconscious goes, okay, turn it, tone it down, circus clown. (laughs) trying to keep you safe, right? And so you think, well, I can't be that expressive. People are going to think I'm ridiculous. It is when I put people in their full expression that they double and triple their income. And a part of that is bits of you. And what I'm talking about bits of you, what do you do? Do you snort laugh? Are you sarcastic? Are you snarky? Are you compassionate? What do you do when you're talking to your family or your friends or or a a spouse that you Mm -hmm. do all the time and then you get in front of a client and you're professional? Well, when you roll in that snort laugh or whatever it is, that is the moment that they go, I do that too. Oh my gosh, I love her. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's the magic. That's the magic. And I have a client that I just loved and adored working with her. And it was it was a very similar thing. It was, I've got to be professional. And she was actually super fun. She was, she's one of my favorite people. And I would, and I'm going to use the name Judy. I would say, well, where's the fun Judy? I like fun Judy. Why don't you bring her into the meeting? And she initially was thinking, you're out of your mind. Fun Judy can't come to the meeting. And what happened was little by little, we got her into this full, big expression of showing up. And fun Judy got to come in. And I kid you not, people were watching her trainings online. And they were messaging her saying, if you are that fun, I have to have a conversation with you because I have to see if you are that fun. Mm. Because if you are that fun, I have to work with you. I want to work with you because that would be so much fun to work with you. Now, if she had stayed in, well, a fun Judy can't come to the table. I've got to be professional. I'm a professional. She would have lost that sale and countless others. So that's what I mean by fully showing up. This is who I am. And I'm not holding anything back on you because I don't know what you're thinking and I don't know what your listeners are thinking. I'm showing up as the best version of me for your listeners. Now, I can do this because I know I cannot make your listeners like me. I know I cannot control the outcome. Mm -hmm. All I can do is show up and serve your people and serve you as the best version of me. 
Tracy, as you were talking, it made me think about the meme that kind of goes around as far as the people that use a lot of exclamation marks in their emails. And then right before they send it, they go back through and they go, oh, I should probably take some of these out. This looks too unprofessional. And I was kind of thinking about it in that same way that our our written communication, our verbal communication can kind of be that same way when we're thinking about it from a business point of view of like, oh, I need to tone this down or, oh, I need to take some of these out and, and really not be so excited. So I really liked that analogy because I think we do this, like you said, subconsciously, but I think it really can impact us being true to ourselves. And I think we we sense that when we know that we're changing ourselves, depending on who we're talking to, I think that can really wear on our self-confidence and, and our, our ability to say, I really nailed that because I was true to myself. Do you think that's true? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's so much packed in what you just said what I hear you talking about, uh, there's a couple of things I can say here that I think will be really helpful for the listeners. What I hear you say is tentacles out, what I call tentacles out versus tentacles in. And you know, an octopus has all those tentacles. And if I wanna show up, if I'm gonna bring my tentacles in and express how excited I am with all my exclamation points and everything, if that is what I want to do, I need to work from that place, but that's not generally the place we work from. We work from tentacles out. Let, let me see what they think. Let me, let me, oh, they, they probably wouldn't like for exclamation point. They're going to think, <laughs> and it all comes from fear of judgment. They're going to think that's not professional, or they're going to think I'm stupid, or they're going to think whatever. And so we immediately listen to that subconscious and take, you know, hit return or hit Mm -hmm, backspace mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. take all of that away. And then we're left with indifference. And then the, we don't know what that other person's thinking. That other person could go, oh, well, I was maybe going to give that promotion to Judy, but she doesn't seem very excited about it. But there's another piece to this. We aren't direct. We think we're direct, but we're not. We rely on raw emotion. Now, maybe not so much in the in the example that you just gave, but it made me think about the raw emotion example and the difference in being direct. I can't tell you the number of people that have said, Tracy, my biggest problem is I'm too direct. <laughs> and I'll say, well, tell me, tell me something direct. And they say it, and I say, that ain't even direct. Come spend the day with me. You'll see direct, but you've got raw emotion in your tone. So when you said the thing about the exclamation points, the first thought in my mind was, let's say I'm frustrated. Okay, we and, and your example was excited, and that's great. Negative raw emotion, not positive, or positive raw emotion is fine, but negative raw emotion, the subconscious won't process. So if you haven't been able to get somebody to take out the trash, Chances are good. There's raw emotion in your tone from the frustration and their subconscious is shutting down and they don't even hear you. 
Mm. So we have to take that raw emotion out of our tone. We expect the tone to do the work for us. It is not going to do the work for us. And we have to build the courage to say, actually, it frustrates me when I ask you to do something and you don't. And we say that in a neutral way rather than no problem, I'll do it. Okay, they're not they're not going to get it. They're, they're not going to ever get the raw emotion and the message behind it because the subconscious isn't going to let them listen to it. That in and of itself, I think, can help us in so many different mm-hmm. areas of life, not just business, but just as you mentioned, you know, uh, even in your your own relationships um, at, at home or friends. Friendships. So I think that is so powerful. And I, mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up because I think that's that's a, a really powerful tool that we can use. I know you also mentioned there's some other powerful voice techniques. And I, I know you really kind of like to preach two that are the most powerful voice techniques that really change everything. What are those? Well, the first and the, the, the most critical one and, I, and I've alluded to it and I've, I've acknowledged it several times in our conversation here, so I certainly don't mean to sound like a broken record, but we've got to work from the now. If you are in the past or the future, you have no voice power. The minute you go to the past or the future, your voice is going to fall flat and everything you say is going to sound like banana, 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 banana. We see your mouth moving, but we are not listening. Allie, the human brain today, every seven seconds, tells us to check out. Every seven seconds, if you are not captivating me, if you are not connecting with me, I've got this thing in my hand called a smartphone that will. Mm. Okay. The, the attention span used to be close to two minutes when I started this work many, many, many years ago. So you've got to stay in the now because you've got to have some movement in your voice. The brain follows movement. So if everything sounds the same and I don't know what's important and nothing stands out because everything sounds the same, there's no movement. When you are in the now, you're going to have more organic movement. And organic movement is, you're probably going to be more like you are in a conversation with somebody you know, like, and trust. You're not gonna be locked up in that, well, I can't be expressive because I've gotta be professional and I've gotta get these words right, so let me think about getting these words right. You're not gonna be there. Mm -hmm. So you be in that now. In fact, when it comes to words, here is something that people can flip to. I'm not worried about the words. I had no idea what you were going to ask me today. I am working from what I call the message. But I'm also trusting that I'm going to have the words you and your listeners need to hear. Mm -hmm. And so that's the story I'm telling myself. I could be telling myself, oh, you you better get these words right or they're not going to want you back on this show and they're going to think you don't. I'm not working from that place. I am trusting that I have the words. And most people do not do that. And, and I'll say this even to my younger people, my younger people fresh out of college, and they'll say things to me like, well, I know, but Tracy, I'm I'm in the room with people that have done this longer than I've been alive. I don't I don't know all the things, but you know something. 
and you trust that you know what you know now. We don't know what you know. How are we going to know if you got it right? We're not. So you've got to work from trusting that you have the words and what I call the message. The message is the driver. It's kind of like a thesis statement for anybody that was a literature writing major Mm -hmm. or does a lot of writing or speech writing even. You know the thesis statement. The message is what do I really need them to know? So when you ask me a question, I have trained my brain to immediately gravitate to what do I need them to know? Mm. And that becomes my driver, not I need to get the words right. So those are a couple of things, but another big game changer, and I've talked, I've touched on it a little bit, is feeling. We constantly have to Work from the place of either what do I feel about what I'm talking about or what do I want my listener to feel? I want my listener to be inspired. I want them to be excited. I want them to be as frustrated as I am. I want them to trust me. I want them to know I feel their pain. And when I work from that place, not only do I get movement, but I, I start to have feeling and elements of vocal variety in my voice, and that builds an emotional connection. So not only do you feel connected to me, you feel emotionally connected to me, and that's a whole nother playing field because that's where trust and I get you and, ooh, I like that too. Similarities, differences really line up in that emotional connection. And it starts from working from the place of, just like we were talking about with the exclamation marks, I want you to know I'm excited about this. I'm not (laughs) going to hide that. So feeling becomes really, really important. But the simplest way to really start getting any of this going is I'm right here in the now having a conversation with you. I'm listening. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say if you say, and if you say that, then I'm going to say this. And I know I'm actually going to say it like, no, 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 that's exhausting. I trust I'm going to have the words and I'm in this conversation and I'm going to work from my message and how I feel about what I'm talking about. This is so good. And I I really can see where confidence, it, it takes the amount of confidence to be able to do that. But I can see where as soon as you are able to do that, it really just feeds your confidence and your ability to say, I can do that. I just did it and I'm going to do it again and again and again. And I really, really like this. This I think is, I've never even really heard anybody talk about this in the way that you do. And it's such a game changer. So I'm really glad that you shared that knowledge with us. Um, And I want to switch a little bit to more of a personal side from, from you, Tracy, and ask you, how do you like to be selfish? Okay. That's the hardest question you've asked me today. (laughs) (laughs) Because I will tell you my albatross is that I love to work because I love what Mm. I do and I love to change lives. And so anytime I am not sitting here working to help someone change their life, that to me is 
that can be that is historically a challenge. So when it comes mm-hmm. to selfish, it's walking away from this work, walking away and filling my own cup. Because after all of these years, I've learned that I can't pour into you if I don't pour into me. And so that looks different. It, it, it can be a lot of different things. I'm an avid reader. I am an avid volunteer at animal shelters and animal causes. I love to be outdoors. I will just want, you know, a lot of times I'll just go outside and sit and stare and to just sit and stare with all the sounds that are constantly in my brain that to me is selfish. Mm, I really like that. Is there anything you wish you could be doing more? I wish I could be helping more people. And that is, I wish I could be sharing this message with more people. And that is certainly an area that I'm really focusing on is scaling this business so that I can touch more lives. Can I teach people to hear like I do? That's what I'm working on. I'm training teachers to hear like I do and training teachers to really embody the psychology of the voice message. Because the day that I realized that what I could do is special, just like everybody else, and I want everybody to, I I want everybody to get that, that when, when I realized that what I do is unique, just like everybody else, and that there is only one of me. And when I am gone, it is gone. I really, really got busy on how I can touch the most amount of lives before I leave this place. It's a great perspective. Great perspective. Well, thinking of that, Tracy, what's next for you? Next for me is I am so grateful to have been invited to teach at a number of masterminds and programs this summer, what's left of the summer and into the early fall. I am, like I mentioned, working on teaching the teachers how to hear like me, how to really embody and teach psychology of the voice. I'm always running my group program, but then I've got a really super cool special program that I'm going to test in the fall where I'm bringing in specialists to focus on things primarily for entrepreneurs around how they show up on camera. So I guess that's more than one thing. (laughs) See, this is my, this is my thing. What's the one thing you're working on? One, add a zero to that. And I can tell you how many things. Oh, but so needed. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the work that you do is that it, you do need to reach more people because more people need this. So I am so grateful that you took the time to talk with me today and share just a small amount of the knowledge that you have and really the changes that we can make in our voice to achieve what we want and to be more authentic. I think that's the that's the key takeaway for me is that it's not so much changing it for the purpose of getting what we desire or the goal that we're wanting, but it's really just showing up as as we are and owning that and finding the beauty in that. And I think that is just so freeing. And I'm really grateful that you taught us that lesson today. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Tracy. 
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really am so grateful for this conversation and you just nailed it. Something that people say to me all the time is, oh, you do give us things, but you take away everything we don't need. And that's what mm. this is about. It's about inner freedom to show up as you, because that's what the world is looking for. You. Like what you just heard? Visit us at SelfishThePodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.